Okay, we got a great show for you today, the Legacy Blueprint Podcast. Happy to welcome Andy Cagnetta today to the show. Andy's got a wealth of experience. As, as you guys know, we're famous for bringing people on that have a great background and have built a lot for themselves. And I think uh, one, of the, one of the great takeaways, we always talk about building business. One of the things I think uh, we're going to talk about today, which I, I think we're going to love uh, hearing about, is the exit, right? One of my my good friends, Judge Graham, um, wrote a book called Scale with Speed, and he talks about always have the end in mind. Focus on what it is you want to do and figure it out so that you can grow and build to that point. And I think far too few people think that way, Andy. But, uh, you know, I, obviously that's something that you're uh, accustomed to and something that you teach and that uh, you do on a daily basis. So I'd love to dive deeper into that. Um, Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. We always tell people you have two ways to leave your business. You can walk out or you can go out toes first. So the, <laughs> you, know, the, the, you want to be able to walk out with your head held high and, you know, hopefully okay. profit. I mean, and enjoy either retirement or the next thing. I mean, you know, the, you shouldn't be stuck on one thing if you're not enjoying yourself. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. So, um, Let's just talk about it. Let's just get right into it. And you, you know, one of the topics you have on here is negotiating for the best price for your business. There's got to be some steps and step-by-step -step plans. I, you know, I've, I've, I haven't personally sold any of my businesses, but I'm in that process now of trying to set up for it. Now that I've kind of learned the hard way and I've exited a few businesses by just kind of walking away from them um, and learned that I probably could have sold them. And now I'm building businesses that are sellable. So, um, you know, what does that look like? What, what should people be thinking about maybe five years, 10 years in advance of a sale? Well, you know, I have 12 steps to keeping uh, to increasing the value of your business. And three of the steps is basically keeping good books and records. So number yep. one is, you know, have a CPA that you trust and that you have a good relationship with. Number two is have a computer system that is maintaining your, your books and your records and your AR and your inventory and your payables. And it's up to date constantly. And, you know, number three, um, just try not to, you know, rig the books to just save on taxes. I mean, there are things that you can do to uh, try to save on taxes that are not as bad as, you know, some other things that, you know, like hiding revenues is bad and playing with your inventory levels at the end of the year is bad because those are things that are very difficult to unwind eventually. So having good books and records, number one, is kind of the 101. And then, you know, if you if we have three years, and we would love three years because the magic number is three years because if you're going to get an SBA loan, if the buyer is going to finance the purchase of the business, the SBA is going to look back three years. The banks are going to want to know that you are profitable, that, again, you have good books and records, the business is solid. So you want those years to be increasing. So if we have three-year run rate and we're looking out and we're going to say, you know, by 2025, I'm going to be done. I want to, you know, I want to sell. We've had businesses come to us, you know, I have, we had a business come to us six years ago that wanted to sell for 15 million. And we said, you're not worth 15 million. And they said, well, what do we need to do to get there? And we told mm. them and we were, and we sat with them once a year and, you know, five years into that process, we were like, you're ready to go. And so we put it up for sale and sold it. So, see, I think that's an important takeaway as well for a lot of business owners. I think part one is, is recognizing that you can sell and, and actually creating a strategy around it. I think part two would be 
realizing that there are folks like you that you could sit down and create strategy with, right? And understanding that there are, you know, professionals that help, you know, create business sales and, and create opportunities for exit. So yeah, we're, the, we're the best kept secret out there. I, you know, even I sold my business. Uh, I had a business up in Hartford, Connecticut. It was a small pasta shop with my family. It was kind of one of my first businesses. And, and we bought it and we sold it. And it was a small little business, but I didn't even know a business broker existed to help me do that. And the other businesses I had over the years, small little businesses, again, I never sold. I didn't know that was an, an option. So like you said, just even knowing that you can do that. And number two, that there are people out there that can help you do this uh, is sometimes groundbreaking for business owners. I love it. I love it. We've so, walked into um, a couple of places every once in a while. We've walked into a couple of places where there's a going out of business sign and we walk mm -hmm. in, we're like, what's wrong? You know, why are you going out of business? Like, I don't know. What else do you do? <laughs> it's like, you're making a few hundred thousand dollars a year. How about we sell it for, you know, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000. And yeah. uh, we've, we've taken down a couple of those signs a couple of times. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, I think it's super interesting. It's super important for people to recognize, you know, that, that, you know, again, like, you know, I feel like I see people do this all the time. They walk away. I did it. I walked away from, from something because I was trying to build something bigger. And in hindsight, the opportunity was probably there to sell it off. So I think that it's a very interesting concept you're talking about. And you probably, you probably come across it more often than, than most of us because of the, of the way that, uh, um, you know, you're in that space. But, uh, but let's talk about, let's talk about actual valuation, like meat and potatoes of this piece for a second, right? Like when you're looking at a business, you know, we all know good, good books, good, good CPA. Well, I shouldn't say we all know, because I think a lot of people probably do, you know, take advantage of those tax strategies in, in the wrong way and it affects their outcome, right? So that, that was some great, great knowledge, but let's talk about the actual evaluation of the business and what people, um, you know, should be looking for if, uh, if they're going to have their business evaluated. Yeah. So what they're looking for again is a buyer is going to pay for what they're going to make in the future. The simple man's way of figuring that out is kind of look to see what they made in the past and see if it's consistent or if there's a line going up or a line going down. And they're going to draw that line into the future. Then they're going to take a multiple of that, you know, or a present value of that. And the easy way to do that is just use a multiple. And the multiples can vary. And as I always say, the quality and quantity of earnings drive multiples. So the quantity, if a business makes $25,000, it's probably not worth five times that, you know, it's probably worth maybe one times that if worth anything, because something that makes 25 grand is like a hobby, right? So mm -hmm. something that makes a million dollars is probably worth five times, maybe even six times. We were just talking I got here a little bit late. We were talking to a technology company, probably could push six, seven times and it's, you know, making almost a million and a half dollars. So as the quality quantity of the earnings grow, so do the, so do the, does the valuation. Now, what's the quality of earnings? Well, the quality of earnings is back to, do you have good books and records? Do you have a diverse customer base or do you have a customer concentration issue where you have one customer with no contract that's cancelable within 30 days. You know, do you have a business that has good employees or you are the chief cook and bottle washer and without you, the whole thing's gonna fall apart. So all those things are the quality of earnings. How, you know, what's the chances of that earnings continuing on without the owner and with a new owner? 
I love that fact that you just mentioned, because I do a lot of coaching to, uh, to peak performers and uh, executive leadership. And, you know, one of the things is always, you know, um, for, for small business owners that are making good money that had that fear of letting go or like letting go of the vine or training someone else or allowing them to take some responsibility. Uh, this is where the rubber meets the road, right, Andy? Because if you're not willing to like let go and train and, you know, I always say what happens if you get hit by a bus? Right? Do your people stop eating? Is there still a business? If you went on vacation for two months, would it would it function? Would it flourish? Would it fail? Right. And and so what you're saying is like this business has to be a business that somebody else can buy and not just replace their job and have to go take over where you left off. Right. You have to have a functioning business where people can continue doing it without you if you're not there anymore. And that's important to a sale. Yeah, it's it's not horrible for a a somebody to buy the business and have to work. I mean, that's usually the case, but for someone to come in and be the chief cook and bottle washer, work 60 mm -hmm. hours, do everything, you know, we, we've all read, hopefully the e-myth that you want to, you know, create a business that can function without you. You know, that's a great question. You know, we always tell buyers, it's a good question to ask. When was the last time you took a vacation? How long were you gone? And if, if the owner answers, oh, I take a vacation every year, for two weeks uh, during the summer and two weeks at the end of the year. That's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> that, that means their business is solid enough that they can walk away from it, you know, or they can leave during the day and go to a kid's uh, soccer game or, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing. Business, business buyers go to a business and they're going to see themselves in that seat. And I, I tell people all the time, even clean up your office. The, don't make it look so hectic, you know, clean up the bathroom because we actually had a bathroom that, you know, it looked like a toxic waste dump. And, you know, a business buyer once upon a time said, I love the business. I can't work there. <laughs> that's where I have to go to the bathroom every day. That's <laughs> yeah. it. The deal breaker. So, yeah. I mean, so yeah, <laughs> that's, there's a, there's a lot of things that go into, you know, eventually selling a business. And then the process itself, you asked earlier about negotiating for a deal. You know, it, some of the really important things of getting a good buyer, right? Sellers, we want to do good deals for good people. So we want the sellers to be happy. They get good money. We want buyers buying good value and being able to make their money back plus plus a return. And how do we do that? Well, we create competition for a deal. You want it, we always say that if you have one buyer, the you don't have a buyer. The buyer has you, mm -hmm. uh, because you know things get retraded in the middle of deals, and so you want several buyers to choose from. You want several offers to choose from. You want to be able to negotiate. You know, you want to have someone else to be able to negotiate back and forth, so you can maintain your relationship. Have someone like us be the bad guy and go back and forth and be able to get a good deal for you, because that's you know really what it takes. Uh, to get a good deal at a good price with the right terms. And, and like you said, you know, if they don't even know that they can sell their business, they certainly don't know what's usual in a deal. And even they could blow their own deal by asking for something that's just not usual and yeah. not customary. And that's what we hate to say. We hate to see good deals that could have gotten done for people. People could have retired. Buyers could have had a great business, not get done. So I'm going to flip it on you. I, I know you, I know you rep, represent sellers of businesses. I'm sure you also help people buy businesses as well, right? Yes. Absolutely. So on the negotiation side, you know, let's just say I'm a passive investor and I have money I want to, I want to go invest in. 
Um, I don't want to work that that process. I want to I want to buy a, a, a cash flowing business that's already operating, and I want to just have an, a certain ROI on my money. Um, what's the best thing? What, what should I be looking for? What, what what are the what are the key indicators of a good business or a good practice that I should be looking at? Well, you know, listen, you want to look so private equity, right? So private equity doesn't buy businesses that make less than say a million to $2 million for a reason, right? They do that because when the owner leaves, they're expecting things to kind of go down a little bit and they're expecting for their management team because you want, listen, if you're not going to work the business, somebody has to. So the first thing you need is someone you can trust. And a lot of times, you know, it could be a brother, it could be a friend, it could be someone that you trust that wants to run a business that needs a job. There's nothing wrong with investing in a company for them and having them run it. Now you're going to want to look at their talents and see what business fits them. But let's say you find the business that fits them. You're going to want to see there, that there's enough money being made to not only pay that person to run the company, but then have a return for you. So, you know, private equity doesn't like to do $2 million or less. Why? Because if something happened, bad happens, and you say lose half a million bucks the first year, you're okay. I mean, you know, you, you made a million and a half instead of two. Sure. If you buy a business that made $200,000 and there's a half a million dollar problem, you could be out of business. So, sure. you know, the inherent risk on smaller businesses is more, but that's an opportunity for people who want to work in a business or young people. I can't believe that there's not more young people that graduate from college. They spend a quarter of a million dollars or more on going to college. And then they're afraid to invest in a small business and maybe, you know, do go out there and learn something. Yeah. I think more kids can do that. Well, we can, that's a whole separate debate. We could talk about how college doesn't, doesn't uh, prepare our kids to go out and become entrepreneurs. And that's a whole different animal, but (laughs) that's something else we could talk about. Um, But okay. But let's talk about the negotiation piece now. So I find, I find a proper, I find a, uh, a, I say property, I'm a real estate investor. You can tell, right? Sure. I find a business, I find a business. I want to acquire it. You know, what, what are the, what are the, what are the angles I should be looking for? Am I looking for seller financing? Am I looking for money down? Am I looking for least amount of cash out of pocket? Am I looking for best cash flow, like what are the what are the key indicators of a great deal? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Right. So the deal needs the pencil eventually, right? So the down payment should be uh, if you can get an SBA loan. The SBA is a great option right now because the SBA loans are ten percent down over t- five to ten years. Uh, you know, interest rates are historic lows. And right now, if you close the deal before September, you're going to get three free months from the SBA. They're going to actually pay your principal and interest. That's just about done by the, you know, you can't quite get a deal closed between now and then. So, sure. So, so the other thing is if you have, and yes, you want seller financing, even if there's a loan from a bank, you want the seller to be on the hook because you want the seller to be interested in your success. So a lot of businesses uh, with seller financing only say you buy a business that has that you can't qualify for the loan because maybe you have credit issues or maybe you don't have industry experience or going into something new. A lot of sellers will finance the deal if they believe you're the right buyer. And it's usually about half down. So say you're buying a business for half a million bucks, say it, you're buying it for two and a half times. So it it's a $200,000 cash flow. You could probably buy it for about two to $300,000 down the rest over say five years and you buy it. And uh, you know, that keeps the seller really interested. 
um, there's, you know, there's not a ton of businesses that sell for cash. And there's all the sellers out there in the world. Well, I'm only going to sell for cash and 100% cash. And it's like, well, you're probably not going to sell because that's not the marketplace. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I think it's a big misnomer. I think a lot of people think I'm going to sell for, you know, I'm going to sell my business for $2 million and I'm just going to like throw $2 million in my checking account. And I'm going to go on with life. And that's just really not how it's built. And that's not how it's done. Um, and a lot of these are seller finance deals in some way, shape or form, right? But the sellers, let, let's, let's face it, the sellers are they're making interest. It's a passive income supply for them. And, and they're generally either walking away or they're getting some sort of, you know, salary to stay, stay on board for a year or two, right? Yeah. And there could be some tax benefits to that. And depending on what happens with capital gains, uh, you might want an installment note to, uh, you know, work on the capital gains taxes. Uh, moving forward, but that's a whole nother story for another day. And we'll see what happens with capital gains moving forward. So yes, uh, you know, I, an owner note, uh, you can pay four to 6% these days, you're not getting four to 6% anywhere else. Uh, you know, when we go to and you talked about how do I get a good deal, right? So again, you look at a business broker and say, Oh, the business broker is just getting paid by the seller, they want the biggest commission, they, you know, at the end of the day, we want to get a deal done and we want to help people get a deal done. We're not going to make any money unless we get a deal done. So a lot of times what we're do trying to do to the seller is educate them in their marketplace. And usually that includes us bringing them down from the price of their Montana uh, cabin that they want to buy down to what the marketplace is actually paying. And then educating buyers that there's right now, it is a seller's market. Uh, sellers are getting top dollar. There's tons of buyers out there. If somebody comes to me with a laundry list of what they want in a business, I want passive income, I want recurring revenues, I want, I want someone who's retiring, I want someone with a historical cash flow. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I mean, you know, like if you want something that gets an A on its report card all the way across all its subjects of a business, you're not going to find the business. So you're going to have to, as a buyer, be aggressive. You're going to have to pay a fair price or even more than a fair price. And you're going to have to, uh, you know, work with the sellers to get deals done. Yeah, love that. Love that. What kind of tricks and tips that I forget to ask you about that, that we missed today? You know, listen, there's, a, there's all kinds of things that, in negotiations that I like that you can use in your everyday life. Uh, you know, there's uh, a couple of things. My favorite one is the flinch, right? So when somebody gives you a value proposition, you just give them a little flinch like, ooh, I can't believe that's so expensive. And mm. a lot of people are empathetic uh, unless they're sociopaths and they're going <laughs> to want to ease your pain. And if you just do that little flinch, I've I've used it before. Uh, I had someone give me a proposal for $25,000 and I did one of these. My wife was sitting next to me and, and they said, well, that's in the big city, but up here, we'll do it for 10. And she's like, he just moved $15,000 with that little flinch. So, uh, you know, but there's uh, things like uh, extreme anchors you can use. It's like, well, and that could be, you know, and people say, well, I don't want a low ball. And well, there's nothing wrong with a low ball. You just don't yeah. know, you know, you got to make offers. Like if you're yeah. going to buy a business, one of my points is don't be afraid to make an offer. Don't be afraid to make a low offer. The broker can tell you whether or not it's going to fly. And you say, listen, I don't know how much you want to sell for. I'm willing to pay you this. So there's nothing wrong with, and then the next offer, if it gets closer, won't be as shocking. Um, you know, people ask me sometimes just, kiddingly, like, how much is your fee? And I say, well, it's 50% upfront. 
and uh, and people are like you know that's ridiculous and it's like yeah it is ridiculous but when i tell them what my fee is it sounds a lot more reasonable after the 50 percent extreme anchor we threw out there one of my yeah. favorite books just as a tip to everybody if you're going to read a negotiation book chris voss chris voss yeah. the difference one of my favorites it's so funny. I sitting here, I'm sitting here listening to you, Andy, and it's almost like we know each other. I've, I've been teaching the flinch and the extreme anchor in my wholesale company for five years. Like, and yeah. then it's just, uh, we do it every time we, we, we make a seller an offer and then they come back with a number and we're going, Oh, is that the best you can do? You know, the funny <laughs> thing is about the, both those, both those things is that even if you know, they're coming and even if you know what they are, they still yeah. work against you. They still work. They still work. They still work. It, 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 you know, when people do it to me, I, it still works. And yeah. so, because yeah. it's, 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 it's psychological. It's, it's psychological. Yeah. yeah. It's innate in us to want it's empathy. It's empathetic. We want it. We want to, we want to fix it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Right. Um, and sometimes, perfect. listen, and sometimes, uh, you know, in negotiations as well, and Chris Voss talks about this a lot, it's not money all the time. No. So I, I don't want to scare people that you shouldn't try to go out there and buy a business because a lot of times what happens is the right buyer walks through the door, meets with the seller. The seller is so engaged, sees that young person, reminds them of them when they were a young person. Uh, they, they have the right skill set and they walk out the door and the seller who had the price up here, all 100% cash, looks at me square in the eye and says, do whatever you can. I want to get that young person into my business. And they'll make all kinds of, all kinds of, uh, you know, you know, considerations for that person, seller financing, earn out, uh, you know, stick around to mentor them. It, you know, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for someone to take their baby to, you know, in the future. A lot of times when people go to sell their business, they're not looking just for the money. They already made their money. Selling your business just for money is not usually the reason why people sell unless you have a technology company and you're cashing in multi-millions of dollars. Yeah. When you're selling a mom and pop business, you're getting two times, three times. And people say, well, I'll just stick around for two years or three years. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead, stick around for two, three years. Call me in two, three years. And they're like, no, I don't want to. I want to retire. I want to travel the world. I'm sick. I'm getting a divorce. I'm you know, I, I'm burnt out. And so it's not usually about money. Yeah. Preach it, brother. It's so similar to the real estate world. You know, it's, it's, you know, I tell folks all the time, the money is generally not the issue. It's figuring out what the real problem is and solving it, right. Creating a solution for that person, whether it's a peace of mind or whether it's a, you know, relocation or whether it's a, they're going to use it to pay off something and make themselves feel better. Or maybe they're going to buy themselves a new car or, you know, whatever it is, like, it's really that thing. It's the end result that they're looking for. It's not necessarily the cash or the value. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's project management, right? We're, we're in the right. Yeah. People come to us and they know what they want. They want to buy it. You know, when I went to buy the house that I've been in for 20 years now, my wife, calls me and says, this is the house we're buying. We have to buy this house. She calls me on my cell phone and I'm like, are you happy to be standing in front of the seller and the realtor as you're saying this? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, well, I guess we're playing. There we're paying goes that price. <laughs> there goes that. <laughs> there goes Love that it. negotiation. <laughs>
Love it. Oh man. Well, Andy, you brought tons of value today. I think that uh, a lot of these things, as I say, a lot of times guys re-listen re- re- to this whole podcast, especially if you're a, if you're a business owner, you, you absolutely have to, uh, have to pay attention to what the out, what the exit looks like, right? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is it you're trying to build and what is it you want to do with it when, when you're done? Yep. Um, because yep. at some point in time, um, as you said at the beginning, we're either we're either going out feet first or walking out, right? Is that what you said at the beginning? Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> so, hey, Andy, how can the uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you? And um, you know, you have anything coming up or or any? any uh... Yeah, I you know I always like to tell people about our podcast. We have a podcast too. It's called the Deal Board Podcast. If you want to learn more about buying and selling businesses, uh, you can go to tworld.com. That's our website. Uh, I'm all over social media. Happy to uh, talk to you via LinkedIn. Uh, just look me up, Andy Cagnetta. I'm one of the only Andy Cagnettas out there in the world, other than my dad, and he's not on LinkedIn. So it's, awesome. you know, it's all good. That's the nice thing about having a unique uh, Italian last name, right? That's right. I get it out. I'm telling you, there's about there's about 10 evangelistes I've ever met in my entire life. So I'm with you, brother. Yes. All right. Well, Andy Cagdetta, thanks for being on the show, brother. You brought the heat today. And I think the listeners are going to get a lot out of it. So uh, I, hope, I hope they uh, follow up with you and make sure they listen to uh, the Deal Board podcast as well. So thank you. Thank you, brother.